0: Yeah, uh, he's not around. EJ's not around, so uh, well, he's obviously gonna listen to it, but we can trash talk him here. Okay, sure. yeah. perfect.
1: I love trash yeah. talking EJ. I always like age better anyway. So
0: yeah, ah. Ah, nice. Um, okay, uh, yeah, this is the second time that EJ is absent. I'm here on behalf of uh, his and my and myself. And today I'm joined by. Ash and Deranged. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? The first one was Weber. The second one was Deranged, by the way. Today, uh today, we're going to talk all about Fire to Open uh, 2021 Season 3. We're currently in 2022, year, uh, year 22, so uh, that's
2: Wait, it's 2021 season three. That's actually what it's called. I just assumed this. It...
0: I think that's, uh, that's what it's called. Okay, fair enough.
1: As a word of defense for our, uh, our belief, you know, belabored friend Fizzle here. Um, yes. The NFL season actually handles things a similar way. So, you know, uh, we can, you know, the NFL obviously knows what they're doing. So I assume that we can do that too. Uh, they see. basically call it like, the current playoffs before you know the season that ran in 2021 so like fair enough it's okay people are used the, to it. the
2: qualifiers were last year yeah in yeah. december yeah exactly so I, okay okay that makes a little more sense that's fair that's fair uh
0: yeah uh and i wanted to start with the most important thing that we have to discuss is is the new uh, new theme and new design and new soundtrack new music prefer to, but how do you guys like that on Twitch streams?
1: I think it's great. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the Hawaiian theme—it caught me off guard the first time, you know, like because you know sometimes like you know I don't catch like the beginning of it, and then like go back and play it, and I see like the the lays, like the sunglasses, like the chill vibes. It's uh, it's all good. Very not lakes though. You know, like lakes is so like a uh, cutthroat, but then like this intro is you know. It's not priming you for this cutthroat map at all
0: <laughs> yeah at uh, at the same time uh I think this new more casual uh centric and theme uh goes very well with the uh, ridiculousness that we've witnessed uh mm-hmm. in the games so far, so uh I think that's suits it yes yeah, fair be yeah, so I guess we will uh talk through uh what the games uh group stage games that's been played and but before that Before that, uh, I did some research and I wanted to ask you. um, As long as, I mean, if you don't know, uh, if you know, do not answer. So there were only three factions that haven't been picked. Oh, oh my God, I forgot. Two disclaimers, two disclaimers to our viewers. First, disclaimer, spoilers alert uh, for those who haven't watched games yet. Uh you might actually not watch them uh they're not on youtube just yet so uh, if you wanna watch the view of these on twitch chat you better hurry before they disappear uh second disclaimer is that uh today is january 23rd the last group stage game was yesterday but at the same time i'm not sure when this episode is going to be uploaded so we might right. be like after second chance games or whatever all depends on ej uh but yeah we somewhat agreed that we're gonna do it post it as soon as possible. But yeah. Uh so yeah, coming back to my question. There were only three factions that haven't been picked this far to open season. Interesting.
2: I think I have a good idea what they are. Swarmlings is one of them.
0: Yeah I've had a lot of mermaids. Yeah I think um, okay good. Orin heck happening. Oran, right. Orin
2: I, I'd, be will, I'd be willing to agree with that as an yeah, I'd be willing to, to submit that as well.
1: Alchemists cannot have possibly been picked, right? Alchemists, there's no uh, way that i played alchemist. I
2: feel like I would have remembered an Alchemists game, because I'm, I'm forever interested in seeing people do well with Alchemists on lakes, because I have not.
1: Yeah, and there's been a lot of Darklings, so...
2: There have been Darklings. I, I'd be comfortable suggesting Auron, Alchemists, and Swarmlings, if that's what you're thinking, Dranged.
0: That's what I was thinking.
2: All right, we, we submit that. How did we do?
0: That's exactly correct. Whoa. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, we got this. Yeah. No swarm links. Uh, no surprise. These guys know how to play this game. They know that they're you know, more interesting and less interesting factions. So uh, they're yeah. doing great so far. Uh, and yeah, no Alchemists and no Orin. to actually no surprise. I guess likes. Alchemists and likes can be like fun. But they're definitely not the strongest, especially when you uh, when you want to actually win the game. They can be very tricky. <laughs> and Orin, well, Orin, yeah, uh, green factions are missing. There was only one Witches game. It was yesterday. And I'm not surprised at that either, because greens are green factions are uh, have a huge disadvantage on lakes. And yeah, by the way, uh, just the last reminder that this uh, fire 2 open season is played on Loon Lakes. With no landscapes, no expansion scoring, just uh, Vanilla Loom Lake's map. Yeah. And do you know which uh, faction uh, appeared in five out of six games?
2: Could that have been Darklings? Uh,
1: it has to be Engineers, right?
2: Well, uh, h- half of the games so far have been won by Darklings, I believe. <laughs> so they've been in at least I
1: don't remember them appearing in any of the others.
2: Okay. Right, so Darklings just have a hundred percent win rate this season.
0: Uh, I think that might be right. Seventy-five.
1: Yeah, I think it's engineers.
0: Like yesterday, dwarves were
1: picked, and that was like the first time that engineers were in.
0: Right, 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 right. Okay. Yep, engineers appeared five. I'll explain why green hasn't been in the game too. Darklings, Nomads, and mermaids all appeared four. Times and yeah, you were almost right. Uh, Darklings uh, players won three out of four games. The uh, it was only Deep Finesse who came in second with Darklings this tournament. Uh, right, right,
1: right.
0: Yeah, but they have extremely high winners. So the factions that actually won were Darklings three times, Engineers twice, and Cultists uh, only one time.
2: Well, that that's one thing that I I find kind of interesting is that like so so far this. This season, all of the games that have been won have been won by sort of traditionally what you yep. might call S-rated factions or A-rated factions, right? Which are, you know, your Darklings, Cultists, Engineers, sometimes, you know, Swarmlings might be kind of considered fairly up there if you are to do sort of a tier list. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of ranking all the factions. But roughly speaking, those are pretty damn good factions. And the wins so far have been Engineers, Cultists, and Darklings have been the only factions that have won a game. Mm-hmm. Um and I find that kind of interesting because, like, if you look at, uh, I don't know, the last Arena season in Fjord, there have been a lot of wins that were sort of, you know, bottom tier factions because people were overbidding the the good ones. And then, you know, people would go in and t- t- taking you know, a halflings, and that kind of stuff and, and putting together really interesting games. I feel like at, at high level tables less common maybe and maybe making this up but but that it's like less common to just see the generically strong factions win and more common that like someone finds like a spicy line for a, a sort of a worse off faction and just gets them at a really good price and things break their way and you know no landscape fakirs end up winning the, the game or something as the 30 faction but we haven't seen that yet in this tournament it's just been like the really good factions people bid a lot someone paid a bunch for them and then they won the game with them um i don't know i find that somewhat of an interesting observation i don't know if that's just a lakes thing in general i have no idea maybe i'm just reading into it too much
0: yeah i think that might be uh like the issue of loon lakes and the fact that people do not have much experience with it i don't think right we've had one arena season but with landscapes which can be very different so like fakirs and giants are uh, playable actually you know they're yeah, uh, but yeah, and I don't have the exact data, but I'm pretty sure that uh, there uh, this season everyone needed, you know, a couple of practice games. So the number of practice games before this Fire Two Open season was probably the highest out of all Fire Two Opens. Hmm. Well, that's my just my wild guess.
1: I'm not sure so much of it, but I think that it actually like is not so much due to inexperience as just due to. Um... Just, like the nature of the map like engineers are a fragile faction right like they're extremely explosive but they're also fragile so like we've seen them actually appear last like i think that they've been last like three times or like at least two times
2: that's that's a really good point
1: um occultists are like one of the strongest most robust factions like no matter what right like even in, like a color sandwich cultists, cult- cultists can generally do pretty well on any map um, mm-hmm. But then they're also the best faction on this map. I, like, this is probably, like, the most right. balanced map of any map, right? Like, um, so, like, I actually think that, like, the better factions are better, with engineers being, like, very boom-bust on this map. And the worst factions are worse. Like, dwarves appeared once. Oh, And yeah. they just got, like, Zitkob had, I feel like Zitkob had, like, every break go his way, basically, in terms of not losing his hexes. And he wound up, like... You know, he picked like a. I think that he got doors at forty. You know, mm-hmm. and he yep. lost to Darklings by like twenty. They're bid down twenty points. They outscored him by forty. You know, like it's just gonna. Right. That's just the nature of this map. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. It's just like.
2: Right. Yeah. That's I an guess. interesting. That's an interesting point that like is is kind of obvious, but I don't know that I've never actually thought about that. That like the factions that are really good on lakes are just the really good factions. Whereas like yeah. fjords, that isn't necessarily the case. Like like Darklings aren't you, you don't just run away with a game as darklings on fjords. You don't run away with a game as cultists on fjords. Um, right? Dwarves are pretty good. Fakirs are pretty good. Yeah.
1: Fjords is the most balanced map. Wakes is like the least. So it's like yeah, there's some tension there. Right.
2: It takes the imbalance of the asymmetric factions and then just advances it a bunch to make it even more wild.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. And, like, because of, like, how key those hexes are, like, I think robustness, like, plays a huge role, right? Yes. Like, Parkland, like yesterday, JDI got cut off, right? Like, he he just stranded a dwelling. And, like, I mm-hmm. was looking, like, oh, at least he can, like, make a town in the southwest. He can ship there. But then, like, he just completely abandoned it. And then, you know, he went off, like, and just won by, like, a million points anyway. Um, right. Like, they can handle that type of disruption. Engineers can't handle that type of disruption, but like, so in the games where like they lose one key hex or like two key hexes, they just die. And then in like the games where they get their key hexes, they blow away the competition. You know, like that's kind of just the nature of this map, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And to bug it up, uh, I checked real quick. And out of all the the whole tournament, um, the total VP awarded, the highest numbers of total VP awarded. Uh, all six places were either darklings or engineers. So, uh, yeah, that definitely has to do something, you know, with, uh, with the nature of the factions that can score very, very well. Yeah. you know what? Yeah. Only uh, the third faction is nomads. Tepep, uh at seventh place who scored uh, totally 129 points. So. Wow. Right.
1: 129 mm-hmm. was the next best score.
2: And 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 when you're calculating one twenty nine, are you saying like that the their ending
0: score minus their auction price? Uh minus the uh VP that they spend on uh power of oh, structures okay. Right. So okay. yeah. VP awarded during the game, fair enough. It. but yeah, nevertheless, uh Hacks uh is in the first place with one hundred and sixty-four on dark But yeah, his game was uh pretty crazy. Uh so yep. yeah, and the last thing uh, worth mentioning is that uh, who's the fastest? And you guys probably know who that was. Uh, Zikob?
1: It's got to be Zikob, right? Like,
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 12 minutes, 12 seconds. And we had two, two, two times. Uh, the slowest, actually, player was um, Simon B, who won the game. But it cost all of us uh, 41 minutes. Of his wow!
1: Time, so, yeah. I mean, it was 41 exciting minutes, though. You know, so. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. He
2: he needed yeah. those minutes. That was a that was a tight game. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a cool yeah. game.
0: Uh, okay, so let's move uh, to the actual games. Uh, I'm not sure I've watched all of them like fully, mm-hmm. but yeah, let's start with the first one. How did you guys like uh, the opening game? Claybo, Logos, George Hartwell, and Jekyll.
2: I- I don't know. I, I I think I was anti-cultist. Dig uh, round one and got like I think I was very firmly against it in in Twitch chat. And then I was surprised that other people were like, kind of, kind of digging it a bit. No pun intended. Deranged. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I'm interested to know is like, what what do you think about that? The round one dig.
1: Sure, um, I, I'm actually going to take one step back further and say that the bidding felt extremely wrong. The fact that uh-huh. cultists were the fact that cultists were not like the lowest bid faction feels extremely wrong to me on that map. Um, not mm-hmm. like I think that cultists were had at such a good price that they could actually afford that dig. Um, I. It it seems like really risky, but that's that's right? Like that's that's just how clayboat plays. It's like it's wild and it's unpredictable, and it you don't understand why, but it works.
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I remember, he dug the red hex, right? Yeah. So the red the
2: red hex in the middle. He started uh-huh. on the two worker the two worker tile, which traditionally suggests a double temple opening, right? Uh, but no, that 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 bonus tile was two thirds of a dig for him. He got a little bit of leech and did action 5 plus 3 workers to take the uh, coveted red hex, which, you know, based on starting placements, was a question of, are engineers digging it or are nomads digging it? Because it's both the yellow hex that they kind of like. Engineers more than nomads, but uh, no, it was actually cultists with a 3 worker action 5 dig. That combination being just like one of the most inefficient combos of resources you can spend in round 1 on a dig. Uh, but mm-hmm. it completely changed the texture of the game, like right away. I think it was his first move. Yep, I'm just like, checking Mermaid, it out. Right, mermaids upgraded next to him, giving him eight power and bull two, just enough to burn four tokens, action
0: five, three workers, and mm-hmm. and they took. Well, uh, now I don't exactly remember watching this game. Uh, it was like three weeks ago, uh, but now that I watch uh, both. Well, the thing is that two other factions wanted that hex. And it can be crucial to both of them, uh, and at the same time, cultists might have trouble expanding with no hanging around, uh, and mermaids also taking some black hexes. Uh, that also secured him a pretty safe town spot, and yeah, it most first and foremost, I think it. Uh, it slowed engineers uh, quite a bit, actually. They, they had no access to the uh, western uh, side of the map, so... And yeah, uh, Jekyll and engineers came fourth, and maybe... I, I'm not really sure, but maybe Clay would also figure that engineers can be pretty strong if they get there. Maybe.
2: I mean, I interpreted it as more of a dig against nomads, because I was expecting nomads probably to first action single dig it. Right, like, like in opening, like in the seed order, nomads went before engineers. Engineers were in fourth seed, and they started with a spade. So engineers would have dug at first action with their bonus spade, presumably if it went to them. But, you know, George was playing nomads, George Orwell, would have had the power. I just assumed he would have just, that. I assumed engineers weren't getting that, and that nomads were, were going to take it. Um, and and uh, so it was more of a dig against nomads, sort of my thought on that.
0: Yeah, uh, and he also got more leech out of it. He had additional structure, so one more yeah. power every single time someone pulled next to him. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah. And maybe, you know, Claybo feels uh, comfortable. Uh, uh, it's, you know, type this type of situations where somebody does your hacks and, you know, the uh, game shifts completely into the, a different direction. Uh, I think uh, that maybe George Shortwell and Jekyll, who are... More turn based, right? Players, I think they might have trouble, you know, uh, adapting to such scenarios at, you know, uh shorter length of time. Right. So, Logos, is, Logos also played this game. He's a bullet player, so he knows this stuff. Uh, but yeah, that may also, you know, uh, I, I, I very much, I was also uh, always um, interested in, you know, how the type of a player, I mean, what games you play, if you play turn-based or not, uh, how such moves, you know, can actually mess with your head or something, especially at the uh, tournament, like F2O, and it's the very first, first game. Uh, it was the first time uh, Jekyll advanced to uh, to this tournament. Churchill, Shult- I think he played before. But, you know, this kind of stuff, uh, this kind of moves can definitely, you know uh like mess, mess with your head and maybe you Make a you know uh, mistake or two in the upcoming rounds, and it turns out to be good for for Klaver or something. So, yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm like reviewing reviewing how this went, right? Um, like, so yes, Klavo made like the crazy move, but then I just realized that later in this round, George Fortwell takes the double spade. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He hits he hits a black hex. Like once he yeah. loses that red, he doesn't have two natural single dig hexes to go to. He goes after right. mermaids. Is mermaids is uh, black hex? Like the the cascade effects are really good, and like we say that we say that action five plus three workers is not good, right? But like the spade is a great tile, right? And the TP tile is considered kind of weak. That seems to imply that one spade is much better than like one worker, right? But like if you get on that two workers tile. That's only one worker worse than a spade, so like you take that single spade and like you use three workers. Cultists are one of the factions that can most easily get away with that sort of inefficiency, right? Because like mm-hmm. stack fire cult rewards, like it it's ugly, but like it definitely works out okay. I think um, that's just part of why brown is still so ridiculous on this map.
2: I mean I think that's the thing, the early cult rewards were good and cultists can't get away with ridiculous shenanigans. I mean it's 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 ineff it's inefficient. It's it's I don't know how yeah, it's inefficient. It's exactly two power, two bull three power and a worker worse than the double dig in round one. It's dec- you know, it's a decent amount of stuff. It's obviously not game ending, but that's like that's a considerable amount of stuff in round one, right? Like the difference between getting a three power tile and worker power in round one is significant. Um, so it's yeah. it's that worker loss and you know the equivalent of four or a leech, right? Worse yeah. than
1: Axe-X. Yeah. So, so you know
2: it is what it is.
1: Yeah, um, it, it is what it is. But like he- hexes are just you know hexes are so important here. Like one of my longstanding theories on this map was that like a chaos versus cultist matchup on this map, uh, if yellow is not in the game, then that you know that yellow hex that nomads start on actually becomes like. Chaos. It becomes yes. really good to dig that with your first action, like, even if it's a single mm-hmm. state and it's like complete crap. Like otherwise, like you end with temple one dwelling, but then you have your two key town spot locked up. You're fighting against cultists. Like it's in a lot of games, like you're better off just like taking coins and advancing your shipping later and like doing whatever. Lakes feels pretty different in that regard, in my opinion. Like just like hexes become so important, especially in that center. And if if Brown is in the game, then Brown just has, like, the tempo on it, so...
2: Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, one of Cultist's downside on this map is that they they can struggle making town space if... Because, you know, so so many of the structures that they like to build on are all the contested stuff, and if they get it, then it's, like, super strong, but... um you know, the all the hexes that they kind of want traditionally are like a lot of the yellow choke points. So, so the so the fact that like he did invest a lot early in the game, but it secured a town spot, and that like that red was really expensive, but it immediately opened up a a black to brown kind of stretch. So, so now you're set up for any single dig is two hexes, which of course is very efficient. So it kind of balances itself out. And it means that cultists can, yeah, just make a play for an early two-key town. There's no town round in the game. They're incentivized to just get their two-key town as quickly as possible. The call rewards are nice. So, I mean, ultimately, it was a bit of a shock in round one, but that stuff kind of does balance itself out a little like, a little bit. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it's also nice that he just ended up on the spade in round two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're just they're just of like, that. Yeah that, like, happen to go this way, and, like, that that actually just kind of is what happens when you are, like, playing this faction on this map, like, uh-huh. you just wind up getting breaks because everyone else is, like, especially when you disrupt someone, right, like, all credit to Claybo for this move, like, he made a very disruptive move, and, like, you know, he disrupted mermaids down the line, he disrupted nomads and engineers with one move, and then, because of that, like, rollover effect, uh, mermaids were disrupted as well. That's, like, a great move. Yeah. Like if you're if you're, you know, basically like bold enough to like or like able to stomach that inefficiency, right? Like, you know, uh, Teramiska players can like love efficiency. But if you're willing to like and this comes from like, you know, Lumen talks about this in Agricola on his streams a lot, like there's this concept of tempo versus efficiency, right? And like mm-hmm. if you have like if you're able to get to the right stuff first, it actually generates efficiency down the line when everyone else kind of scrambles to do inefficient stuff, right? Like, this, this double-dig on, bra- on a black hex is definitely an inefficient move in round one. But then, like, you know, uh, Clavo rushes and cuts, like, Nomads off um, in round two. Then Nomads cut off Engineers, like, only town. You know, like, it's it's very, like... Yeah. These uh-huh. are, you know, like, very strong moves that, like, have strong impacts on, like, your opponents down the line.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I skip uh, real quick to the second round and I've uh the yeah, now now that I'm watching I like Cult's position the most actually, you know, out of out of everything that happened. The move that clayboard the first uh, engineers to go different direction and also as as you said, Nomad took the sender red hacks destroying engineers town and all that you know happening and cultists look way way stronger than anyone else actually at that point so yeah that was definitely worth it
2: there, there were also some nice breaks that went claybo's way right like passing on to the bonus spade in round two and then if you continue a little bit further i think it's like he passes last at the end of round two just onto the six coin tile after ending temple and a bunch of
1: dwellings mm-hmm. yeah and like mermaids right mermaids could have chosen not to upgrade with their first action they could have uh they could have taken priest with their first action, right? They wanted to go shipping in round one, mm-hmm. but instead they upgraded.
0: Well, there, were, there was uh, Earth 1 Rush, I believe, so yeah, Logos also went for it.
2: Which I think based on Claybo's strat- strategy, uh, I actually think it's uh, fairly defensible for Clabo. Um Like, if I could just talk about cultists quickly, like, I-, I-, I, th- I think, like, Clabo's playing, like, a perfect like, I don't know what the correct word is, but like very spadey Cultists, not shippy cultists. I don't want to say digging cultists because that usually suggests like uh, uh, Digging advances, but I've seen this quite a bit on Fjords actually in the last season Like the traditional way to to play cultists to get two early temples really quickly One's a scoring favor and one's an econ, right? So double temple round one or round one you take fire one and then round two you quickly get earth one that kind of thing You ship a bunch and then maybe you get water one later or you get blocked So you just build up all your trading posts and that kind of thing Versus, and I've seen this before, when there's a round three temple event, this works quite nicely, just take earth one in round one. Don't ship. If you have priests, you might send it to the cult. You're not trying to go for a two, three ship strat really early. You just, like, take spade actions, carve out town spots, and just get out dwellings. Once you have earth one, like, you just incentivize, just, like, ghetto dwellings. And then by round three, when you're building your second temple, just take a copy of water one, right? I've, I've seen, actually, um uh zebok do this uh quite a bit on 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 or was it sprockets i forget i was reviewing some cultist games but i actually saw this as like a, di- a bit of a different strategy for cultists and yeah it looks kind of boring on the surface everyone wants to take an econ favor, the cool kids do but when you got this round three temple event and all the spades are just coming to you what's wrong with just taking a temple getting earth One, right. spading for the next two rounds skipping that second temple until late uh, late enough in the game that by round three you don't really want an econ favor you just just you know what i mean he just passed on to six coins his econ is great build another temple take earth one and then just build more stuff like it, it this just looks really really nice from in, in this game is that kind of like doing local spades and just taking the sc- scoring favors versus taking an econ favor and doing the ship stuff um so i i like it a lot what Claybo did this game and things also broke his way and stuff and so yeah
0: yeah uh that, that strategy you're talking about is especially efficient with uh with the early cold rewards that he claimed which would be four powers uh, for power and a couple of workers from fire and also he uh, that red and also his uh, other starting dwelling uh, opened a lot of free uh, easy to dig hexes that he can build dwellings on and mm-hmm. also he was given a tremendous amount of leech throughout uh, you know uh, all of the maps, so he didn't really need a favor favor econ, I don't think. And yeah, that was a a good call there.
2: The last thing I just wanted to say is an interesting observation about this game, and where I think, like, uh, engineers are in a tough spot, is uh, their starting location in the east is always kind of tricky. I understand the desire to want to be over there. I mean, there's definitely some expansion opportunities in the east, but what it meant for Jekyll immediately losing that red hex is that she had no place to double-dig. So she like she didn't get double dig in round one. Nomads did. But by round two, I believe she had the power for double dig, but no two hexes she could take unless she had shipping. Mm-hmm. So she upgrades shipping. Mermaids take double dig and take one of the green hexes that would have opened up the west. So like they, they lose double dig in round two. And then in round three, I think Claypool takes double dig. So engineers like ended up not double digging in the first three rounds of the game. In round two, they had tempo and power, but no actual place to spade. So that was, that's just kind of, and it's, that's one thing I often look at. There's certain starting places on certain, like, you know, whatever I'm playing, whatever map, I'm like, oh, this seems like a good spot to start. And they're like, wait, where, if I get, if Double Dig falls to me, and I want to snap it up, like, where am I putting two spades? There's, like, no good Double Dig spot here. Uh, and I think that kind of happened to engineers here. So it's just, like, the moment they lost that red, they couldn't really Double Dig, and then their tempo was kind of off.
0: Yeah, so. um, the last thing I wanted to add is that Probably Jekyll didn't expect uh, Claybo to single uh, Act Six, Act Five, and her dig that I read. Uh, maybe she thought she had tempo with how the pastels, uh, you know, turned out. Maybe. Uh, also, the Eastern Dwelling that you've been talking about is particularly good with landscapes. Yes. Uh, on this map, but yeah, there are no landscapes this uh, this Fire to Open season. So uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Let's not uh, waste too much time on every single one of those games because we'll be sitting whole week here. Uh, what? Why don't we move to the game number two with the current uh, Fair Virtual Open champion, uh, Ninja, along with Tepep, Jewwarak, and Rafael. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about this game? What do you remember?
1: This was one of those games where, like, I just... No, and I guess this actually happened in game one too, as well. Like, it's one of those games where you just kind of wish that engineers uh, would take Earth two instead of Earth one. Um, I seem to remember like engineers getting a double spade early. Um, Like, they looked really good, but then they took Earth one and then they just were kind of unable to like get a lot of momentum into round two uh, and like really snowball their economy, despite having kind of like what looked like a strong start with like getting some hexes that they wanted. Um, And it just, like, kind of seemed like a mistake that, like, uh, this kind of, like, points greediness was piling up. Um, And Darklings are just, like, again, like, this just comes to, like, the disruption thing, right? Like, game one, extremely disruptive. Um, Game two, disruptive with, specifically, I think that, uh, mermaids kind of attacked engineers a lot here. Um, they, like, went very Uh aggressively after, like, engineers' hexes, um, in a way that, like, kind of were, we have a hard time finding. But then, like, person who came out of that like happy was uh, was ninja with playing darklings like this faction that like they're always going to do well if they just sit by themselves and like get to do their thing, right? Like they just always are. Um like you know he secured connection kind of early um making sure that he got through uh he dug a hex first right and then he didn't watch uh-huh. one he just did his thing he took fire one and water one and then like just uh-huh. you know, he just won from there. Um, it was just like a very strong, like fundamental type of game. And while everyone else was kind of like punching each other in the face, like, um, Darklings just like ran away with it. Um, like, Darklings aren't going to be happy if everyone else is punching each other in the face, like, right? That's that's just and like, actually, basically, any faction, like, any faction is happy if you're always happy if your opponents fight each other for you, because like, fighting. Is almost always inefficient. It's not like you're upgrading, and giving each other leaps. You're like taking each other's hexes, throwing away workers. You know, like wasting your power on single spade plus three workers. Like you're really happy. Uh-huh. Label gets away with it because first of all, cultists are just ridiculous. You know, like cultists are ridiculous. They shouldn't have been that available that cheap. First of all, but, like secondly, he gets away with it because he causes downstream fighting. Nindra doesn't have to make any aggressive moves, and he still gets all those benefits, and he wins by a bigger margin, as we see.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember it was Sevok and Basil casting this game, and both of them, especially Sevak, were uh, concerned about Darkling starting spots and the expansion yeah. uh, to the east, I remember. Uh, I think it's the first time, the only time that we see Darklings starting on F7 instead of double west, Mm -hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, It turned out to uh, work pretty well uh, for Darklings there, Uh, and this is a pretty well. It's a man setup, so uh, we also see all of all four most frequently uh, coming factions are in this game: so Darklings, Nomads, Engineers, and Mermaids. Um, and maybe in this kind of setup, uh, East Darklings is the way to go. You don't fight too much with nomads and mermaids in the in the West. Uh, you also are you're, you're gar- almost guaranteed to get a neighbor in the East. And um, yeah. And the second thing that I remember the most was the uh, dig from Hafael on mermaids. Right? He double duck uh, a gray hex if I remember, if I remember correctly it's it's c2 it's the uh, uh is the green uh natural green hex
1: oh, was that maybe transformed by a cult spade that might have been transformed by a cult spade and then yeah right. it was very aggressively taken instead of like coins or something i think
0: yeah and now that i'm watching and now i remember uh jewer didn't build on it he dug it but didn't build on it He had two workers uh, and six power tokens, so he didn't want to burn those power tokens. But I think it was Ksavok also mentioning that he'd rather just convert that one worker uh, to a coin and build it, even though that dwelling uh, right the, the third dwelling it doesn't give you an income, but you're secured right and when playing engineers uh against these factions and at this tournament, mm-hmm. you probably want to secure your hexes uh at all costs right especially it, it wasn't like converting a worker to a coin as engineers it's well it may happen right but you're you secure yourself um a hex that they desperately need for everything and uh, the expansion into the west, and you know that hex that uh I actually took because uh, engineers uh, the couple of other hexes uh, in the US that he could get to with only one shipping. But yeah, he was completely denied actually of that right. space. Right.
1: Um, one other thing that's cool about Ninja's game is I believe that he doesn't build a sanctuary in round two, right? He's mm-hmm. like another, like, kind of like a cool example where it's like, he builds a bunch of dwellings in round two. He gets his mm-hmm. worker econ up, and he just trusts that the coins will come to him. And then, like, just like because of the breaks, they repeatedly do come to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know? Like he, like, I, I seem to remember Tepep just, like, handing him, like, the leech for, like, a coins action in the middle of the game, mm-hmm. right when he needs it before he builds his trading post or something. Um, but those are the type of breaks that, like, you get, like, a couple, like, one or two breaks like that in the game like, you're happy. But if your opponents are also fighting each other, and you're getting those breaks, then you're going to run away with it, you know? Um, like, I, I yeah. do think that this is a kind of, like, I, my, my point, I guess, is, like, this is kind of, like, a cool, like, alternative look at how you can play Dark ones. You are allowed to take priest power actions. You are allowed to, like, you know, focus on building out your workers before you build this, like, this, like, obsession that people sometimes have with, like, uh, getting your sanctuary out as soon as possible. You know, I, I'm guilty of this as well like yeah me too um yeah so i i think that it's very cool that he kind of demonstrated like hey no you don't you don't have to like you can win with darklings like without your sanctuary like in round two um granted i mean he he does get out of sanctuary eventually right like it's it's obviously correct to get your sanctuary out but he doesn't he doesn't like stretch himself to get it out in round two and i think that's very cool
2: no, he gets he gets it out in round three, which is a dwelling round. He builds a couple dwellings in the north, and then gets a sanctuary out in advance of the round four trading post round. Yes, uh, and and has the resources to do it.
1: This is also the round where he like passes first, and then winds up getting gifted the coins action, right? Like, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Basically, the water one rush happens around him. So, in 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 one pa- round pass around the board, I believe he gets eight power for six victory points or something. And there's a coin action just just in there, which is, you know, once you've built a sanctuary, you're looking for a coins action ASAP because um, the building costs 10 coins. And, and that's basically what happens. He builds a sanctuary in round three uh, for water one in advance of the round four trading post round, which is perfect timing because he's basically sanctuary seven dwellings. Awesome. Gets a coin action ready to go. The the other thing that that kind of broke well for Ninja here, and it's just based on well, again, I mean, Rafa digs that uh, engineer gray hex, the one that was green, but uh, Warwick digs to gray. He he digs that hex. The hex he doesn't dig is engineers connection hex. I mean, um, there's a hex sort of in the northeast-ish kind of kind of thing, like right. There's a black hex right next to Mermaid's second starting spot. C5 if, if you have a map open in front of you and I mean there are other ways to connect you can triple dig and do a big shipping thing around the, the, the northeast of the map but obviously it's a lot cleaner to just take C5 and do two ship stuff uh, and that was just chilling there he takes it in round four on temp ship like after taking a coin action it was like on a second or third move uh, mm-hmm. he's then just like plop right onto C5 right so mermaids didn't dig C5 they dug C2. Right, And those are important things to, to, to sort of consider. Like that definitely ch- changes uh, the dynamic in the game. So th- I think that's really when it like doing this game when Ninja's at a, at, a, at a winning position. It's like Sanctuary 7 Dwellings end of round 3, gets water 1 in advance of a trading post round, gets 8 power, a coins action, and then secures the connection hex. It's like, okay, now we've got a game here. Um, it's uh, pretty, pretty, it looks pretty clean as board state in the middle of round 4 it looks super, super
1: clean. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's just it's just kind of the nature of it. Like when people are fighting each other hard enough, like you're gonna kind of wind up uh yeah, they they fight each other and they kind of forget, like, oh wait, Arthur's are gonna get a coin's action. You know, like that. right it's, like why did that do that? He secured Water One in advance when like just like if yeah, I think that if he had kept his head up, he might have seen that mermaids couldn't get Water One. Like they just like economically like had just wasted six power on a dig when all they had is dwelling on the board already. So um they were never going to be able to ford water one anyway in advance of right. the TP round. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was like a definitely a bit of a turning point as well. Um, yeah. Uh, should we should we look at another game or like is there anything else that you guys are uh, interested in in this game? If he like ninja kind of runs away with it and like I asked him like some questions in the chat afterwards, and he was basically like. No, I didn't want to like drag out the end game too much because I knew that I'd won, and like that that kind of cut through at this point, right?:
2: Yeah yeah'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy stopping here, but by like round four, again, I'm looking at a particular game state, like I don't know what turn it is, but it's just like the coins went up, like he's got his connection hacked. It's like, okay, this looks winning for darklings. move on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. like Te- Tepep still does some cool stuff here. I think that if he doesn't do this straw that. He might have enough for the win, but I mean, it it doesn't wind up playing out that way. So,
0: like, yeah, yeah. I remember people pointing out Tabev's minor inefficiencies here and there, but at the same time, yeah. he uh, ended up being second and he advanced for the second chance game. But yeah, it worked. It it was enough, and that's the most important, I guess. Um, okay, let's move to the game number three: mm-hmm. um, Rainier, Barnaval, Matt DeLesser, and Babuk. And I got to say, I remember this game very vaguely. Almost nothing. I remember that uh, people were talking about Lesser's Chaos Magicians game and his comments on that. Uh, but other than that, I don't remember much here.
2: I remember it decently well, just to kick things off. I, I mean, I am uh, uh, was certainly rooting for Rainier in, in this game, uh, even though my fellow countryman, Barnwall, who's an amazing player, uh, like the guy a lot, Canadian, but I uh ho- I sort of have a horse in the race with 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 Rainier. I've just been sort of a supporter of his stream for like ever, and he's like was one of the like guys when I was getting into Terra that was just like super supportive and helpful and like teaching me stuff about the game. And I've been a subscriber on his stream forever and stuff. So I was super excited to to watch this game with Rainier in it, and he he threw in halflings into the auction. Uh, if if I'm correct, I think he did like he was doing a couple practice games or something, uh, just to sort of warm himself up for for this map because Rainier is. Not as familiar with lakes. I think he's like this is this is the map that he's like least familiar with, excluding revised base, I, I suppose. Um, and he played. I, I think he so he like streamed a practice game or something. Threw in halflings or, or uh, got halflings in the auction and had like a really cool game with them. Like it was really awesome. Um, and uh, so it was interesting for him to see. Like so he tosses halflings back in the game. Ultimately he doesn't end up on them. he, uh, he ends up. Uh, getting engineers, um, paying a decent bit for them. But um, that was the, the first thing I do remember about the game. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, I think I played that game that you've been referring. Uh,
2: oh, OK, you were in
0: that. Yep. Yep. I remember that quite well. And yeah, uh, halflings are definitely a nice pick. Uh, you can yep. get, uh, well, that may not be true on lakes, because everyone knows that brown factions are extremely strong here. Um, that might be you know, uh, somewhat a counter-coldest pick. Uh, usually, on other maps, you can get halflings for a pretty good price uh, very often. Uh, that's what uh, Dipfen has been doing a lot on f- uh, last Arena season, on Fjords, with uh, with uh, with Landscapes. Mm-hmm. He used to put halflings in almost every single one of his games, and he gets a very good deal out of them. And yeah, the same goes for sevak actually, who enjoys uh, halflings very much. I yeah, was actually...
1: Asking some of the questions to Matt the Lesser afterward, because, like, you know, he he won, he won, like, the Stellman pound up twice in the East and, like, ignored the West and, like, won with sandwich chaos magicians. And it was, like, kind of absurd, you know. I think that he wanted to play a tall game, but Mermaids didn't oblige. You know, Mermaids didn't play C6. And as a result, like, you know, Barnwell made a very defensible move. He went for, like, this cool shipping line and he didn't want to hand too much to CM, but, um, Instead, like he got stuck on G2, and then wound up losing some key hexes, and then like soon afterward, he said that he was basically playing for second, you know, because uh, it was just such like a like a killer spot to be in, but like you can't really get your like get any of the stuff that you really want. Like, your hexes are gone, you know, you can't ship as effectively as you like. Um, your neighbor situation is like kind of iffy. Um, and then engineers are like coming around the bend to take rays. It's just yeah, it's messy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was actually Burnable playing mermaids, so maybe he remembered his uh, TMTL game and as mermaids denied oh, denied that no, right. from right. you know, from chaos. Bad. So uh, yeah. yeah. And um, to back it up, I quite recently played uh, a lone legs game where against Sandwich chaos. Uh, Played it with someone else. I don't remember who that was, but uh, both of us, uh, from uh, you know, active part, uh, who are active participants of this community, we both said that. Well, K- sandwich chaos magicians can be very tricky to to play. And I was mermaids, and I started on C6, and I regretted that. You know, like two rounds later, where chaos just ran away with with the game with those single digs and you know a couple of hexes and tremendous advantage and uh, you know i i had like four victory points less than them so uh-huh. uh yeah i i can see that happening here too
1: yeah you could just get like so many favors and stuff so i mean like that didn't wind up happening um here uh matt the winds up like not contesting f3 and then like the breaks just kind of yeah. wind, kind of falling out rainier's way it's like you know, he gets he gets like the gets all the hexes that he wants except for d6 i guess Um, He gets F3, which is, like, kind of crazy. Um, He, in my opinion, correctly takes uh, the Earth 2 favor in round 1. And, like, as Rainier pointed out, like, later, like, basically, the key read this game was, like, oh halflings aren't as good as you think because the engineers don't take the spade, um, and instead they take worker power, then... They get the double spade. They get to open temple trading post two dwellings, and halflings don't get the double spade. and You lose like a lot of the advantage that you thought you were getting as halflings. Uh, like their spade, the spade situation isn't that good. Um, so then he just gets all the leech. He winds up passing on to the spade uh, when chaos Wings leave it, and it just kind of like snowballs uncontrollably out of there. Um, he makes like very good reads afterwards, such as like you know taking coins and not the single dig and round. Uh, round two but like you know again like breaks just wind up falling and like his economy just becomes unstoppable at that point mm-hmm. yeah
2: he had he had a- he had enough stuff like he had enough spades to dig the important hexes but then also enough coins to do a ship advance which can be fairly expensive for engineers if they haven't gotten the right pastile and the right leech and power action to do like a ship advance in round two uh but but he but he did
1: mm-hmm. yeah not to mention that he gets Earth One in the meantime. It's just, yeah, it's pretty absurd.
0: Um, yeah,
2: it, it it's true. Ha, ha, having ha, like having said that, I like I obviously play Engineers a lot. Uh, one of my favorite factions to play, and and I just find it's like it's just like you are incredibly broke if you don't have Earth Two really early. Like I don't know. How, I see some people pull it off where they just go Earth One into Water One, and I just like I don't know how they do it. Like going into round two with that extra worker is just so so important. The other thing that I that might not always be true, well it certainly isn't always true and I guess it isn't true necessarily recently on a lot of F2O games, but generally speaking at expert plus kind of tables, high level tables, there's someone that's doing a line that isn't taking earth 1. Perhaps this is a bit of arrogance or something, but like I tend to expect there's like a higher likelihood than not that there's a copy of Earth One kicking around in round two if you want it. Now, that isn't always the case, but nothing is ever always the case in Terra Mystica, and sometimes bad breaks just happen. But more and more, even if Earth One is really important to my strategy in a game, because I don't really know how I'm going to score and I really want it, I I still often will just like arrogantly leave it unsecure and just expect that I'm going to take it round two. And, you know, with players like Babic, Matt, the Lesser Barn, Rainier, you know, if you're playing against, you know, Zvok or Deep Finesse, Nerd Cube, like probably even if it's important to you, it's going to be kicking around in round two. And Rainier, I think correctly, just took Earth two, and was it that big of a surprise? Why was? Because Barnwell went Fire One Mermaids. Is that that big of a surprise? No. I mean, maybe it wasn't there, but like that's also not that big of like a spicy line. Like it's kind of expected, and to some degree, that there might be a coffee cake around so i I just i just like i think it was the correct read from rainier to just like open earth two expect earth one to be there it was he took it he got a coins action he upgraded shipping and then he ended what would two temple six dwelling end of round two um at that point you just have yeah yeah with a ship with a ship upgrade in there like that's a lot of resources spent and for folks who are kind of newer to terra mystica two temple two dwelling earth one earth two is kind of standard not good, quite mediocre to good kind of engineers set up if you're 2 Temple 2 Dwelling into round 2. 2 Temple 6 Dwelling ship advance is, like, strange mathematically that this is even possible. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff.
1: A lot of leech, too. A lot of leech yeah. from the half. So. A lot of leech. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, after that point, I think it just kind of snowballs a little bit. I'm, it gets out of hand, like, pretty quickly. Um in terms of, like, the winner kind of being determined, I feel like. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Um, winds up, you know, having, like, a bunch of stuff, but then without Earth-1, like, uh, it doesn't turn that efficiently into points, I guess, in the end. And also, like, I, th- this, I don't think it's just me, but I've noticed that Mermaids just, like, don't feel that robust on this map, in terms of, like, yeah. scoring options late mm-hmm. in the game. Like, Mermaids won zero these games, right? Like, they came in second a bunch, like they got yeah. a good price in the auctions, and like they just came in second a bunch um, that's just kind of my experience with them on lakes as well
2: yeah I, I think there's some truth to that I think mermaids are one of those factions that are like a very a very respected faction amongst the expert community like people like playing mermaids and want to toss them in people throw them into games and enjoy playing them I, I love playing mermaids as well but uh, I think it was Terra Steel who was saying this to me to, to, to me uh, recently like on a few occasions we were discussing mermaids on lakes we kind of has pointed out that he thinks they're kind of on the bottom tier. I hope I'm not misrepresenting his point. I'm pretty sure that was him on lakes. And and the thing that I've sort of come to realize about Spades is they have some expansion opportunities. Two ship and a dig here or there gets them some stuff, but the places they end up digging are kind of on the edge of the map. It's not like engineers or halflings, but if they have a good game and they get the Spades and the expansion, the Spades and the expansion that they're getting are in the center of the map where there's adjacency, there's a leech, there's development going on. Mermaids often are sort of digging in the south and the west. Like, even if they have a good game and they have a bunch of heck, or they have a bunch of dwellings out, they're kind of dwellings that really anywhere interest. They're not choke points. They're not adjacency necessarily. It's not big, high leech areas going on. So they sort of lack that kind of explosive behavior.
1: Yeah. It's like a weird case where, like, getting all your dwellings out doesn't necessarily, like, lead to you like, winning the game or anything.
0: Right. Yeah. Mermaids and Lone Lakes are basically mermaids on any other map but one town less or something. Oh that's uh, interesting. Yeah, fair
1: enough. Yeah, or like so much or like a leech less. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's what Torres actually said. Right. Uh, and yeah, mermaids came in second three times this tournament and only once third. And interestingly enough for me at least. Oh no, I'm I'm uh I was wrong here. Never mind. But yeah, uh, mermaids seem like a pretty safe Pick generally uh, this tournament, and I'm curious to see if we will see more mermaids here. As uh, you know, you're 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 in the middle of the map. You get some leads, you get some hexes. You can tap ship somewhere. Your your game isn't great. You're not as good as engineers or darklings on this map, but you can almost safely uh, you know secure a third or second spot. So uh-huh. uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, Although, in the second chance game, I think it's only the winner that uh, that goes uh, that uh, is promoted, but maybe in uh, in the division finals, we might see more mermaids games as there you know someone a safe pick here because uh, you're not engineers that you know uh, like called this the hard dig your hex run while and you are almost dead right you've got some you've get some uh, space uh, for mermaids you can you can get out of yeah, that right like
1: mermaids, mermaids can
0: find town space
1: even if it's like kind of crappy like even if it have, like it might not have neighbors, but you'll find easy dig spots for your towns like mm-hmm. yeah like um I think that I think that almost every mermaid's game like they opened with a with shipping, right like they, like, didn't bother spading too much in round one, and they just shipped. Um, uh-huh. They took, like, higher one or earth one or whatever, and they were, like, fairly happy. Um, it's just, like, a pretty typical mermaids type of thing to do um, on this map. Uh-huh. And, like, it's a very stable type of opening, you know? It's, like, you you worry about getting your economy set up. It's, like, okay, I got my economy set up. Cool. Then after that, it's, like, okay, what do I do now? And then they kind of run out of stuff, I think, sometimes. mm
0: uh-huh. Right. So yeah, uh, Rainier Re- just got away with it. Well, He's noble. His economy run too, and that was pretty much it. And the last thing worth mentioning is that, as I said earlier, Rainier was the second player to score the um, total highest number of victory points this tournament. So, nice. yep, yeah. one one hundred. Uh, no, he, uh, oh, I'm sorry, his third one point uh, behind JDI. Rainier scored one hundred fifty-six points, but it's the highest score for engineers here. I mean the right. total DB awarded, so yeah, no surprise here. Uh okay, let's uh, let's move to the game number four maybe. How about that? Uh we have Simon B on engineers, Deep Finesse on Darklings, Hard Diggler on Giants, and Gino on Nomads. Hmm. Who wants to take
2: it away? Arranged, can you take it away on this one?
1: Sure. So I remember watching this one live and like It was just a very strange situation and i think that this is like kind of common for games with engineers where it's like um the victory points can seem low but then somehow like you look at the end of the game and they've got like a million end game points and like a bunch of towns coming in and like people don't close out their cults and like you just win right like i think that simon would agree that he kind of like left some points on the table but like this is one of those strange games where like throughout the game like if you looked at the board and like the economies it just looked like Simon was winning. Like, a lot. But then, like, I think that almost, like, by choice or, like, out of some, like, pride or something, like, he winds up not getting either of the two main scoring favors. And then, like, you know, you're kind of yeah. worried for him. Um, but it just felt like, economically speaking, like, engineers were just... Like, and this this game, I feel like, was, like, proof of concept, right? Like, we talk about economy being, like, king in Terra Mystica. And... Like, he, he just did it, this game. You know, like, he, he won oh, with economy. Um, that's, like, that's engineers for you, right? Um, you win with he, economy. He played, like, this very, like, point screen type of game, and, like, Darklings are very good at that. But then, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite enough.
0: Yeah, uh, Simon went, what are two engineers, right? Uh, and, yeah, interestingly enough, uh, I'm not sure if it was any one of you, but a couple of bulletiers played the exact same setup uh, after this game, and the scores were equally low. And looks like this this matchup, engineers, darklings, nomads, giants, can be very, very tricky on this map. Uh, and you just actually you just swap um, giants for mermaids, and it's a regular game. You throw in giants, sandwich giants, and suddenly it's uh, well, it's a it's a shit show actually. So uh, yeah. yeah, that was a very very tough game for everyone and sometimes paid, even painful to watch I'd say uh, and yeah the thing that I remember that uh, I was concerned about was that uh, her, uh, that dig by Deep Finesse when he took uh, F4, a 4 a hex away from nomads and uh, I'm not sure he answered why he did that uh, I asked him on Discord but he didn't reply so I might catch him later on that
1: I, I seem to remember Deep Finesse saying about that dig that it wasn't just for disruption, but like engineers wanted to make trading posts. So he wanted to be on that hex and get the leech from it, and he wound up getting a coins action because he got that leech.
0: Um, oh. It's like
1: thinking and very fancy, but also the type of thing that it's like, well, maybe you actually handed engineers a little too much and cost yourself a little too much just for that. Um, hmm. I, I'm not sure you know, like he, he still wound up making the most points this game, right? Like um like, trucklings were bid far lower than engineers, and he only lost by like five points, so
0: like he wound up making more points than engineers did this game but definitely
2: yeah I'm not sure how much more i have to to add to this one i uh don't believe I saw this one live. I caught the vod afterward um yeah i'm I'm not. I don't know what, do you, what what are your guys' thoughts overall on the water to take from engineers.
0: Uh, I think it's one of those Simon B moments uh, where he does some weird stuff that you don't actually you know, feel like it's gonna be good and you're afraid uh, he was affected by the uh, fancy play syndrome, uh, but it turns out to be actually good, and uh, I think Simon uh, deserves some you know recognition and. I mean, this game was crazy, and the fact that he uh, he won this one with water two engineers uh, at this such a strong table that everyone expected to be, you know, the dev group here, uh, the strongest group of the tournament. Mm, I think that by itself means that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't remember his winner's interview. What was the idea behind the water do Why he did that like, exactly?
1: Sure. So I'm playing through the game, and it becomes clear that like. Basically, there's an Earth two. There's an Earth cult spade in round two. Yes. And And yes. uh, he wants Earth one. I, I'm pretty sure he wants Earth one, but then he winds That's up. That's my take as it. well. Yeah. yeah. So okay. he just like I think that he might have had tempo on Earth one and just like, might have forgotten it or something and wound up not getting it. But then he just winds up taking letter two to get that cult spade.
2: Okay, because he has a, he has the cult coins or something in round one is his pastel, so he gets his earth two plus the bump from the cult coin so he's at step three of earth so it's obvious that he's like that cult bump i think in round one he's like he's like already has his eyes set on that earth spade in round two which tees up nicely for an earth one take but yeah he doesn't get that so it's just like water two does a lot of things in the game, but I think it, it's fair to say that that also is considered like a round two econ favor that is basically a spade. Which is a mm-hmm. lot of economy, right? I mean, that's like, that's a decent amount of power. That would be the equivalent of like, you know, a spade at the action six cost, right, is three power in bowl three, right? So that's being generous, right? Because it could be more. So that's the equivalent of six leech. Yeah. So like like water two was like better than air two by two power in round two now, now that's just like once and then you know then it's like a half a worker and another worker and all that kind of stuff later but right that's a pretty big boost for engineers it's the equivalent of like six leech going into round three kind of thing roughly so yeah, and it, score- um, it scores very well
1: too right like the thing right. is like someone burned all his power so like you know that state is is like it's what you want from the power right it's not like yeah just- exactly um, yeah, so it's, like, especially good.
0: Also, there was no uh, direct cult faction here. So that right. one who two might have gained him, you know, a couple of cult points here and there, which may turn yep. out to be, like, uh, vital for his game. And also, he started on D3 instead of, I don't know, H5 or E6 or whatever. yeah.
2: It's interesting. I think he placed there after he knew giants were not going on G2 in the south. I think. Um, yeah. I think it makes a bit more sense if that's what you're doing, because you sort of assume that that southern stuff is fairly safe. Giants aren't getting down there, and who else are digging reds and greens this game? Like it's, you're, you're pretty safe. And so what D3 does is it opens up a hex that you can reach through shipping without having to spade. Right? Um, mm-hmm. And he utilizes that exactly in that way. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I thought it was very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, worth watching and yeah. replaying. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, Simon B, as I said, uh, had the longest pinging time. So good job on that, Sam. Right.
2: It does seem like a kind of game that you'd have to think through. I'm not surprised that he won, he did very good stuff. I love his favorite tile takes. But it does seem like a bit more of a technical game where it's not, you're not just
0: autopiloting or on Earth 2 NG's getting water. No, there's... Over, you,
2: know? right. <laughs> you have to think through that.
0: <laughs> so Yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, there was definitely no autopiloting here. That cure. That was just crazy. Yeah.
1: So just looking real quick at like everyone else's game, right? Um, giants, you know, sandwich Giants, uh, classic hard diggler type of thing to do, you know, throw in a <laughs> sandwich Giants faction. But then he plays them in such like this kind of funny way, you know, like, you play this faction that, like, fights really hard for hexes, you know, and, like, scares everyone, and then he did kind of, like, this Swarmlings, like, isolationist, like, I'm gonna build a stronghold yeah. and a Temple, and just read points, and, like, play the track, and just basically only take scoring pass favors, and, like, I'm just gonna hope that, like, I Scrabble together, scrabble together enough points, you know, based off of that, and, uh, that's kind of just what, um, No, I think that if the matchup is messy enough, like he made it really low scoring, right? Everyone was bid down to like nothing, um, and then like people were still forced to do some awkward stuff. But then like this placement on C7 and C3, like it kind of just opened it up a little too much to engineers, right? Like that's that's one of the things about these messy color wheels, where like um, the way that you place sometimes just gives too much to someone else. On a flip side, like deep Finesse, like Wound up taking Earth One and Round One. Um, and like you can do that, but then like there is an economic hit, right? So once he builds a sanctuary, he needs to take fire one with a temple afterward. And then even so I see him converting, you know, workers to coins. Um, so I mean it's this is like a classic game of like, you know, uh, the unexpected breaks, like the unpredictable, right? The giants, the unpredictable wind up breaking well for engineers, and then um, economy after that winds up paying off more than, um, more than just, like, being super points greedy, like deep nested did. Uh, yeah, like, that, that was just, like, my thought there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone else want to, like, look more at this game, or do you want
2: to? I'm happy to move on. I'm, I'm not yeah. coming up with anything bright
0: and intelligent to say about this game. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of watching you know this replay already physically <laughs> it's, murderous. It's, murderous. it's murderous yeah all right uh okay, group E uh Bowser hugs Uh Bowser hugs on Darklings have mermaids, Farx engineers and Zulu Fakirs. the first time Fakirs appear right which I'm obviously pretty happy about. <clears throat>
2: I mean this this was an interesting open to me, obviously. We uh I mean Fakir's going uh double temple was pretty standard. They took a scoring favor, uh and an economy favor, so that 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 seems fine. Uh Darklings, we see, like we see Bowser take Earth 1 in round. Oh, well, I guess he opened Sanctuary. So he took a mm-hmm. Earth 1 only because he was opening Sanctuary, and Earth 1 uh, you know, can actually be. He didn't end up sending, I guess, his priest to Earth um, in the three spot, but sometimes taking Earth 1 as your first favor is actually helpful to get the Sanctuary, because you can get more power that way. But the thing that was really uh, that, that didn't quite understand was Fire acts Earth 1 take. Um, even if there's pressure on Earth 1, I still feel like Engineers are just, it's so important for them to open with Earth 2. But in this game, I I believe Fire X takes a copy of Earth 1 after Mermaids had already committed to Fire 1. So Earth 1 isn't really under threat unless you think that Mermaids are getting another temple out before you are as Engineers, which kind of seems unlikely. Now, I guess the track just kind of read in the kind of way that, like, you know, kind of like the Cultists game, uh, Clabo's Cultists game, just delaying your second temple a bit and just going Earth One, building your dwellings, and then Water One. It kind of read that way for Engineers. I just feel like for Engineers, that doesn't really work as well. Um, this was a game where Firex doesn't end up building a second temple in round four or something. Is that correct? It's kind
1: of late into the game, if I recall. Yeah it, yeah, it does take him a while to get that second temple out and when, he, when he does. Like, so it
2: does kind of hit the track better, but I just feel like with Engineers, getting that second temple up for that power income is so important. And I mean, maybe he was just trying something interesting here to see if it worked, but like that, that temple delay for just a later Water 1, I just don't feel like works as well with Engineers. And uh, so we do just see him like grab an early copy of Earth 1, even though this could have been a game where he could have just taken Earth 2, got out some dwellings post into a second temple for, for uh, Earth-1 later, but uh, yeah, anyhow, that was sort
1: of like the main surprising thing out of the opening. Yeah, like you you need to invest, like just probably invest more into your economy um, as engineers. Um, like, I think there are a bunch of times when like, yeah, like people were kind of hoping that he would advance shipping in round two. Um, I mean, he winds up taking spades, which is good as well. But like, you know, like, what Rainier did was he got shipping in round two, right? You can lose, like, one or two of those hexes if the rest of your game is going well enough. Um, uh-huh. And, I mean, admittedly, like, he gets a lot of hexes. Like, he gets he gets himself access to a lot of hexes. But then, like, because the economy is so stunted, he has issues actually building onto them.
0: Yeah, maybe it's just the... Uh, I'm not fam- very familiar with Firewax and his game gameplay in general. I, don't, I haven't watched many of his games. Uh, it's probably my second game I see him playing or something. Maybe he's uh, the type of guy that prefers to get you know early points, or he just figured that with early early leech and how the uh, starting mm-hmm. spots turned out to be, maybe he thought, okay, I'm gonna get enough econ, um, also from and for pastiles. Well, he passed onto onto the dwelling <laughs> scoring into round two, so uh, maybe he just yeah went for full uh, for points here, and he thought uh, yeah my hexes are under no threat. I'm going to get enough workers. I hope that
1: the economy will sort itself out. And, like, you know, if you mm-hmm. build a lot of stuff, you are often fine, but, like, we actually do kind of need coins as well. And, like, he begins to struggle a lot for coins later in the game, is what, like, this game kind of, like, winds up becoming.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, part of it also, and some of this is also just the RNG of the game, like... You can control passing to some degree in, in Terra Mystica because you can decide not to do something or decide to take a priest and slow play an extra round or something like that you can control your passing tempo quite a bit but sometimes there isn't a path to just get a past tile that you want and sometimes pastels just break not that great for you I've noticed this in some of my games like it was something that I started to pick up about like why did this game just not go that well for me it went well for players, and then I would review the, the, the entirety, like the net sum of my past tiles versus some of my opponents, and if, if you're not getting the, like past tiles I feel like should either be a bunch of economy, uh, or that, then they're just like a little bit of economy but a bunch of points, and I feel like what happened here with Fire Axe is like, his round two past tile was dwelling scoring and two coins his round three past tile was a priest and a coin it wasn't like two workers, six coins four coins and a cult step like, that's like fuel, fuel, and fuel. This was like a trickle of points and a couple of coins into like a priest and a coin. Like, that's not enough juice to get yourself going. In reviewing the game, those like I, don't know what he would have done to play to get onto Mermaid's six coin tile or to pass earlier to get the four coins and occult stuff. Like, I'm not sure what he would have done uh, otherwise to do that. And, and I think this is one of those games where to some degree, just like the, the, the past tiles didn't break for him. The economic past tiles he otherwise would have wanted to break that well for uh, form in the early game. Um, so I, I think um, that's part of it.
1: Meanwhile, uh, if we look at like Bowser's game, like one of the he, he makes a couple of interesting decisions here, right? Like one of them uh is taking the two key town, right? Like he doesn't win that many yeah. cult points, but like the cult points come at the expense of other people and it gets an immediate economy. That's cool. Right. Another cool thing that Bowser does in my opinion is uh like the chat I remember the chat was like very uh Split over this one, he burns out a three power in round four to take a priest so that he can lock up connection. A lot of people are very iffy on this call because it's like, well, I mean, you're darklings, how concerned are you really with like no he does that to get this green hex that uh um b three and engineers like possibly want, like have like like don't know that engineers actually want that. Hex, especially without landscapes, right? They can't bridge into that, like, A1 Hex. Um, uh-huh. So if you rush it, and, like, honestly, even looking at it now, it still seems like it's not that necessary. Engineers have so much else that they need to do. Um, but, it, like, like, but getting, going for connection, it winds up clearly being correct for Bowser. And I think that a lot of that is because, you know, um, he was allowed to, you know, he played... Or economically and he got away with it, right? Like he still winds up mm-hmm. getting play. after playing so economically. He winds up, I mean, like it's, it is like pretty lucky that he winds up getting that bridge, I believe, um, given like his exact power situation. But like it just, it just works out well, you know? Um, looking at like a little bit at the other players' games here, um, if you guys are okay with that, like I was just like, yeah, yeah. Of out Zulu's game, I think is like, you no, know, Fakirs are fakir's in the like I like fakirs in this setup a lot, but being in the first seat is really rough with these past tiles. Like yes. there were three good economic past tiles and he did not get on one of them, right? Like because he was in first seat. And then being the worst economic faction to begin with, it was really rough. And then he loses the two workers action. It's just really ugly to start with. But then I think that he does the right thing. You no, know, he uh he forces his way into two temples and then he takes a worker. One worker as his uh, as, as his economy, but then like, the advantage of Fikir is that you get you just, like with his starting spots, he just flew twice to start with, right? That's pretty great. Um, mm. And then like it looked like he was basically doing like what I wanted him to until like uh, he built that sanctuary for Water One, and then it like the yeah. world started off a little bit there, and then like I think that he got like a little too paranoid about some stuff that. He shouldn't have. I, I think that there might have been some nerves involved as well, like um, yeah, this is his first time playing in Fire Two Open. Um, it's like kind of like a big big scene. Um, weird stuff happens and I don't think that much weird stuff was happening to him. But I think that like the Water One paranoia got to him and unfortunately just did wind up uh, breaking his way after that. Just for mermaids, I don't think that they're like as resilient, but they're so a-
0: Hephaestus had a bunch of dwellings in the east, mostly because he uh, he had the access to the worker power, so he wanted to unpo- open yep. temple uh, for dwellings, which is fur. Uh, but his decision not starting on C6 actually forced... Well, it was kind of foreseeable that Fakir's were going for a double temple, uh, or, I don't know, anything else. Uh, there was no reason for Fakir's to go D7, right? I mean, right. almost no reason. So, therefore, it... Uh, Zul decided to go on a five, which I think is 100% reasonable. But that was mostly uh, due to that the starts, like, so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's mostly due to yeah. uh, Mermaid starting on on the F8 and not providing him with a neighbor, and that leech, and also uh, that uh, that neighbor, uh, the uh, the fact that Bowser could build a trading post on a six instead of you know doubling a yellow or something like that, uh, and also that leech it, Made him game much better, uh, and at this point, uh, even though mermaids took C five uh, uh, in this game, Bowser didn't didn't even need it uh, on his darklings, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if uh, you know very often in various games we can see me- meta changing you know throughout tournament. I mean not for the whole game, but for the um, for the uh, time length of the tournament itself. So uh, I'm curious to see if you know this kind of stuff, for example, if I have plays the same matchup, he might uh, you know like reconsider his decision here. Like I want to open temple uh, temple for dwellings uh, the same way I, I did in this game, or I start on C6, I open with one dwelling le- less. But, you know, the uh, the game shifts uh, into a different direction and, you know, maybe their clings aren't as strong as usually they are here. Right. Yeah, it's
2: a good point. And, I mean, it's a, it's a traditionally very strong opening for any faction that can make it work. And there are only certain factions on certain maps that can do that, right? And you, you need to be a faction, I mean, I, you know, that can get access to Double Dig pretty easily. But that also has some hex on the map that when you dig it, it opens up a second hex. The, the classic example is like brown on base in the east. There are two spots you can start, dig a single hex, and it opens up another. So if you're having mermaids, you start with power. And, and mermaids on, on base as well, of course. Mermaids, you know, it. it, it there are examples of that as well because of course they start with shipping so it'd be a little easier um so i i certainly can understand where Hephaestus is coming from here i mean it is a bit of a dream starting on worker power getting to open double dig ending temple four dwellings with an econ favor is just it's just wonderful right like why wouldn't you try that if you could and that is the weird thing about lakes here it's like the, there isn't mm-hmm. another option for them to do that somewhere better you can open dwellings in the corner uh so, yeah, whether that's worth it or not, it's, it's really
0: Yep. Um, right. Okay. One last note, I guess. Um,
1: Hephaestus advances digs in round four or five, and then he winds up, uh, he's on the TP tile, but it's a dwellings round, and he winds up, passing out of this round, with only five dwellings on his board, like, on the, like, uh, on the board and four of his TP's up because he's on the TP tile and he wants to score. He doesn't have Earth One, but like he builds like an extra dwelling or two. Like, you know, he he does wind up getting that third town out, but like it's really by like the skin of his teeth, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think that like, you know, there there actually was a world where that town was like a little easier if he had played a little more worker heavy, um, dug more stuff a little bit. But yeah, I mean obviously like it wound up working out fine for him. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I'm. I'm good to move on as well.
0: Okay, uh, let's cover the last game of the uh, group stage tournament: uh, JDI, uh, Darklings, Zidkab Dwarves, which Witches, and Random Man Nomads. That was played yesterday. And I gotta say that it was probably my favorite game, mostly because it was the most balanced and fair one. And as everyone. Uh, I remember Savok saying it like three times or four in the Twitch chat. He said that he he enjoys this game very well, uh, very much because everyone does uh, good stuff here. You know, for their own game, right. we, we see no, uh, we see no disruptions like Claybo her digging run one or anything like that. Everyone focused on themselves, and everyone ended ended up with pretty you know good games. There were some minor uh, inefficiencies here and there, obviously. Uh, the most notable one for me was the price that Ryan Demand paid for nomads, uh, which I't argue was uh, too high. And, uh, and yeah, we saw Zidcup on the doing Zidcup weird stuff. so one
2: yeah. one thing I'd just like to mention before we we jump into this is I think it's important to note that um, as of this is this correct me if I'm wrong, but this is now the second the second game uh, in f two o where the where the auction prices started at forty. Right, right. Yeah, so, so we're right. noticing a 40 faction here with dwarves. And so, if, if listeners are not familiar with that, it's just an update to BGA. Faction started at 40. So now you can have up to a 40 point difference between the best faction and the worst faction if you, if you think that exists. But there's some interesting psychology going on. It, it seems kind of okay here. But uh, uh, of course, like, psychologically, like weight this to what these prices would be if everyone started at 30. Dwarves are the 30 faction. Nomads just got bid down to 11. Darklings just got bid down to 5. And I, I honestly do feel like people are slightly more willing to bid things a little bit more aggressively, just because psychologically, I'm not saying that's why Ryan did this, I'm sure he can subtract 10 21, but I think I have played some arena games where there just are a higher discrepancy between auction prices, because people are willing to I don't know, it just doesn't seem quite as bad, but it, and I, I've had to do this myself. In, in arenas, it's like okay, subtract ten from all of these. Now, how do I feel? And I'm like, oh gosh, continue bidding this faction more. I'm like, this seems way too low. So I think that's just an interesting thing to know. It's like dwarves are thirty here, five, nomads are eleven, and then we just got bid down to twenty-four effectively. So and yeah, so some aggressive bidding.
1: Yeah, but as we've seen on this on this map, um, just based on like the way that this, these tournament results have come in. Factions that you think are the best are even better than you think. Um right. that clearly winds up happening yeah, in this that's... Like Darklings get some breaks, right? But like they also get some breaks against them, you know, like they lose their connection. That wasn't a guarantee. Um, Nomads start stronghold, that wasn't a guarantee. Um but yeah, like uh you you didn't know necessarily that um it would wind up being this much of a difference though. Like it's just kind of hard to
0: evaluate, right? hmm yeah, uh, JDA scored 20 more victory points more than anyone else, uh, while all the other three places were just two victory points away from each other. So that was fair, at least, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Darklings got away with it. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, it's uh, we saw Darklings winning a couple of times here and there. Uh, But it's the third time that they're winning in this tournament, and they took a different approach than the uh, previous players. So JDI decided to just forgo the uh, dwelling, his starting dwelling, the starting spot. He decided not to try even to connect it, and he went straight east, right? He didn't get Mm. disrupted there, uh, which didn't block uh, his hexes. As he didn't, but other than that, he just said, "Okay, I'm I'm going east, there 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 are some cheap hexes there, and I I want to be there. I want to build my towns there." And we haven't seen that just yet. We saw other doing some stuff in the west, and ninjas starting, you know, with different starting spots. Starting. He also went yeah. east, but yeah, starting yeah. in the east. So hmm. yeah, maybe I it's just of the breaks that Darklings get here are kind of
1: kind of ironically like normally Darklings don't have to worry as much about their hexes, but this time like i feel like there was like some worry that witches would take some of those hexes of theirs and uh it doesn't wind mm-hmm. up playing out that way that's kind of cool
0: yeah i think that that's mostly uh the way as plays i might be uh, i might be wrong here but uh i remember her being uh, a pretty like safe player he she focuses mostly on her own games Uh, She doesn't like Mm -hmm. disruption, at least to my knowledge and to uh, what I I think is correct. So that might be the case, you know, she didn't block him. Uh, She wanted uh, him to provide her with a neighbor, with some Mm -hmm. leech, you know, and maybe she thought, yeah, I'm I'm playing witches with free towns now. I have neighbors all over the place. I've got leech, I've got everything, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe she thought that would be enough, but yeah. It just maybe it's just the darklings are too strong or something, or maybe she thought, okay, darklings are winning. I, I why should I disrupt them? Especially since you know this was a, this was a very even game, so even nomads and dwarves were still in. So uh, maybe she thought, yeah, blocking that darklings uh, going through uh, instead of letting them through and get some legion neighbor uh, would be, you know, I would benefit from it more. And the while. You know the, the the leech and the neighbors that they are losing, you know Zidka and Random, and at the same time they don't care. They they focus on their own games and they're still in it. They can still win it, right? So sacrificing some of your stuff to block one of the other players uh, makes the two remaining, you know, uh, in a better spot. So maybe that was the reasoning too. Right. An
2: interesting. One uh, one thing. One thing I just like to comment on. Uh, with JDI's game really early is he, he just does some really, really nice stuff early about that in Terra you, in some games you can't control pass tiles, like you, you gotta do what you gotta do in a round, and then you pass, and then there's nothing left for you uh, but, but that's not always true and you can control certain things and you can be very aware of passing tempo uh, and, and take advantage of it. JDI makes a very interesting pass into going into round two uh, he passes for the priest as opposed to the spade, and the priest didn't have a coin on it or anything. Now, most people that, that you know, are, are you know, uh, strong or better sort of Terramistic players know that in the early game, certainly, and for most of the game, Darklings are apt to prefer a spade over a priest. They both provide a dig. Uh, the priest gives you two points, and the spade comes with two coins. The spade also takes the spade off of, uh, you know, as, as an available pass tile for people. Uh, so you're, you're being slightly annoying to other players. Uh, and you're converting two victory points into two coins, which is very, very good for a round two sanctuary. So why on earth did JDI do that? I mean, uh, and I don't think he was just greeting points here. Um, my initial thought when he did that was like, oh, well, all the priest spots are open. Maybe that priest isn't a spade. Maybe that priest is a three spot, right? And, and as it turns out, uh, uh, witches needed to convert their priest into a worker to get their stronghold out in round two, and so the three spot and the error was open. But he passes with it in hand, and then it made sense. And I don't know if JDI knew this going into it, but what that was, I think, is JDI was declining the choice to convert two victory points into two coins, and, and instead to be able to take the priest, so his spade was in hand, he didn't have to use it that round, he has a lightning-fast round, I think he sends the priest to water, builds a sanctuary, and then passes back onto the two-worker tile and a coin's action. And that's one of those things that, like, t- to me, if that's what was going through, and maybe he took it, the priest thought it was going to be for air or something and then things just changed i don't know but if he had that foresight and was really planning his round that well to me that is just like a wonderful wonderful thing in terra mystica when he was already like planning his past tile tempos and round three power actions at the end of round one where he said no i'm I'm not taking this way i'm taking the priest not going to use it i'm throwing one to, to water i'm building a sanctuary i'm getting the heck out of the round i'm i'm getting back under the big building tile and opening the next round with a coins action and that that's what ends up happening so when that sequence happens now at the beginning of round three, state I'm like, oh, this looks really nice for GDI. It's like very, very, very tasteful uh, play by him. So anyhow, enough gushing over the Starklings game, but I I just love when I see stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I love the the point that, that you're making here. Uh, and yeah, the here uh it's the other uh is the other situation. Um, uh, well, uh, about that, I want to try and uh, I've tried a couple of times and I want to try more. Uh, playing Darklings, with, starting with the uh, two-worker style and taking single dig in the round one as opposed to a priest in some scenarios where it can give me, you know, uh, when I deny somebody else's pay, then also I get some tempo and pass style, right, and the cons right. actually. And it's almost exactly the same that you're saying. So yeah, uh, I made it. Uh, it actually worked for me one time, I remember, at a pretty strong table uh but yeah it's uh, it's almost the same here as you're saying right he has his mm-hmm. spade uh, in hand he can use it wherever he wants but yeah he uh he can well maybe maybe he didn't you know like calculate everything uh, exactly but he just thought you know sure. at some tempo but yeah might, might be the case he's he's a strong enough player to see such things and yeah maybe that's definitely the the, the reason here that he did that and the fact that he uh actually uh, thought about it around earlier yeah, that's pretty exciting and I, mm-hmm. I, I love it, I, I miss that completely Yeah,
2: I, and I would just say too to any, any listeners who are like, tr- like sort of, you know uh, getting into Terra Mystica you know, you've sort of figured out base game strategy but you're trying to get better at the game and you're trying to figure out what part of the game to get better at there's a lot of discussion about whether I take an econ favor or one or do this or blah, it's like, like get better at that right? Like, that is a very tasteful part of the game, that if you can get better at, you will profit off of it immensely. So, I'll just leave people with that, but it's, like, get better at that
1: part of the game, because it will be very rewarding for you. Yeah, and I will just say that, like, one of, like, the great challenges in this game is to figure out when to pass, like, um, like, I think that if you're kind of uh, just looking to improve, like, you know, and Know, you're just like looking to improve in general then like a good rule is just uh never pass like never pass if you don't have to like build all the stuff that you can as long as it's like economically efficient mm-hmm. right if you're like building dwellings using your workers you're not like doing extra hard digs or like just building random trading posts that kill your economy and like it's, mm-hmm. it's almost always good to just like build all the stuff that you can but then sometimes mm-hmm. you know it's like sometimes if like your cult rewards have lined up Past tiles are correct and you're getting the coins action then it can be correct to just pass early and like you can get just as much economy um by taking the coins next round and like getting the right pastile like jdi had two workers coming in off the fire cult um that priest, was into another priest later um so he had like those fire cult stuff and you know like he gets coins it's just like yeah that's what you want yeah it's wonderful yeah um, yeah, but after that, like, I think that witches have a bunch of chances to possibly dig as hexes, but they don't. Um, as we discussed, like, maybe that's partly uh, Felice's style, but then partly that's just you know, like, it it partly it's just like slightly good breaks, and it just winds up breaking really well. And uh, no one else, you know, like dwarves quickly find out why they're dwarves on this map. I think sure. they're not very good. You know, like it's it's kind of a kind of sad, right, like, Zikob kind of does all the right stuff, but, like, the fact is, like, if green is in the game, dwarves are not going to have a good time on this map.
2: Yeah, no landscape, right, like, there's a number of, play- part- like, hexes on this map that I can see a landscape going down to, like, help them, you know, jump over green a little bit, right, like the red hex in the south, if that were a landscape, there'd be a get into jail for possibly get over to Gray and do some other stuff, but, like, no landscape, green in. Yeah, well, wow. tough stuff. Yeah, you're
1: just knocked out, and that's it. Um, I mean, like he does. He still does some cool stuff. It's just, uh, I just wonder, like if if this color matchup really is like forty points of difference between dwarves and uh a dark. Uh... I think it might just be. Like, maybe it is. Like, I don't, I don't actually see that many inefficiencies, like in a in Zikom's game. Mm.
2: No, I, like, I was just about to say, like, this game actually looks okay for Zikob. Like, like he's got the center stretch. Like, that's a really nice thing as Grey on this map, to get that center stretch. Get a nice town, get all the leech, all the adjacency. Right. Gets Earth 1, Earth 2 with the Sanctuary kind of stuff. He hops around pretty quickly to those nice free Greys in the West. Like the, like, the game, in a sense, kind of looks good for him, right? Um, but... It's it's just not it's
0: and it was played very well, right? But that's not necessarily enough. Um. Yeah. Uh, the last point I want to make here is uh, looping back to what I've said about Essie uh, here. Uh, she and Zidcab did a pretty good job uh, splitting the map here between each other. So uh, with color neighbors, that's sometimes very important. Uh, And here, uh, I really like the fact that she started on D6, which is the center green, as opposed to Mm C2, which is very, very often a starting spot for witches. And then, you know, uh, this way, she said, Okay, Zitkop, you take the West, I take the East, and we're both fine, right? We both get neighbors because there's Snomas and Darklings all over the place. And we're going to be good with it. And th- I, that's another, um, that's another thing. I, another, another reason I believe Essie is a pretty, you know, safe player that she prefers to focus on her own game. Mm-hmm. And this, this way also, uh, you know, that also made Dwarf's game much, much better. Because if they started, if which started on C2 and opened stronghold, let's say, yes. and you know, took a couple of other green hacks, that would have been uh, like much, much harder for Zitkop to score anything here, right? He even got some network points if I remember correctly. Maybe not. Maybe is he didn't. But uh, but that type of start okay. is yeah. actually like, you're you're right.
1: Like that type of start might be blockier toward dwarves and maybe you know, and maybe Felice winds up beating dwarves, but maybe then she loses to nomads because she doesn't get twelve points of connection, right? Like she might get three towns at, like before, but right. she not have like those twelve points of connection. Uh, now, arguably, she shouldn't have so like arguably, those twelve points of connection weren't that good anyway, but like obviously she valued them um taking like building that stronghold in round two, right? instead of taking like a sanctuary for like modern one and playing super points for year or something, like um she wanted like the economic type of game, and like this wound up being a bit better in that sense.,
0: mm-hmm. All right. um okay. Uh, it's been quite a time, but. If you guys still have a couple more minutes, uh, how about we go through our predictions for uh, second chance games and finals? <laughs> all how about right. That? Real quick.
2: I don't know what to base these predictions off of. They're all really players. So I'm just sort of randomly picking a horse in the race, I guess, for each of these games, to some degree.
0: OK, so how about you, how, how about you start, Weber? Uh, we can go like, OK, let's go um, one by one. So Weber started with everything instead of, yeah.
2: Okay, so for the fire, uh, fire division second.
0: Gosh, logos burn the wall. Logos Burnowell If I still George Shortwell.
2: George Shortwell. I I feel like that is a fairly equal table, like right, like that. That's uh, that's a, that's a fairly equal table. I find at this game, but I I I'm gonna pick George Shortwell. Uh, I just I I don't know. I just have. Uh, I mean I I play quite a bit with George, and he's come on stream a bunch and stuff like that, but I, I just find it's like game um, it'll be interesting to see how these players play like George is sort of in the kind of Rainier anti-Earth1 camp I'm like 99% positive he'll do something else other than Earth1 in round 1, so it'll be interesting to see whether the other players know that uh, and respond accordingly right? Um, but uh, I, I, I'm just going to guess George I think he'll pull it off mm-hmm. uh, for that one for the ice division second chance game, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get like my money's on deep finesse, right? Uh, I think there's a bit more of a discrepancy between some of these players. They're all very strong, but I, I think uh, deep finesse is probably just a a good step ahead of the other players in terms of uh, just just in terms of ability in, in the game and understanding of the game. Um, Rafa's all like. Probably would be my second nest, next guess uh, out of there. Rafa could, could easily win and can pull it off. Rafa's an incredible player. Uh, I mean, they're all very strong. But uh, if I was a betting man, I'd, uh, I'd place a bet on deep finesse. Uh, do you want me to continue going on with the Fire Division fi- finals and Ice Division finals?
0: Well, let's let's start with second chances, I guess. Okay. Um, deranged, what's your Okay, so
1: we got Lotus, Barnwell, Hephaestus, and George Shortwell. I think that yep. uh, Barnwell and Hephaestus have the best track records in Fire 2 Open. Um, so I kind of like, yeah, and like I, I have like some bias toward like these players who are like currently like strong turn-based players, but that might be like an iffy call. So I'm thinking like, you know, Barnwell and George Shortwell are both like uh, top tier, kind of like in a DM tour. Um, as well as uh, as the Fjords League. I guess, like, specifically the Fjords League, which, like, tends to be played by, like, these same, like, PGA players, you know. Um, so I'm going to... I'm also going to just, like... Uh, sh- actually, I you know, I, I think I'm going to go with Barnwell here. Um, sh- George Warhol is on my team, but I think that Barnwell's, like, track record is pretty strong. So I like him there. Um, he was second instead of third in the first round. So, like, you know, I think that he might have had, like, Probably like the best second place here that I saw. Um, even though uh, three of these players picked mermaids, didn't they? <laughs> uh yeah. So whoever, yep. whoever was smart enough not to pick mermaids, I like. But yeah, uh well here. Um so second two one, quick questions uh, for you,
2: uh, if, if I can quickly drain you said you're on a team with George Shortwell?
1: I right, so uh Rainer created like this fantasy league basically. George Shortwell is oh, on my like, okay. fantasy team. Yeah. I see. I got you. Uh, okay, fair enough. And my fantasy team, um, both Tech and Zykob in, uh, in the Ice Division uh, second chance game are on my fantasy team, so I actually like Zykob to win here. And the reason why is that Deep Finesse is like zero and eight against Zykob all time.
2: He, mm-hmm.
1: he made a like, comment about this like last Fire Two Open tournament, um, where like he really lost wins to yep. Zykob's uh, halflings or something. And He's yeah, he's he's like 0 and 8 against Zikob all time, it's absurd. Um, That's so I'm gonna, I'm gonna bizarre. Kind of, i think uh, that like a fun player and like he had, he had a good game, but like he kind of like showed in a few places where like against that against ninja, like where he had some holes. Um, I think that like holes like that, uh, like some of the ones that Zulu might have shown, like, like sometimes like slightly panic moves can undo you pretty quickly, so um. Rafael, I feel like I've, you know I've seen him play a lot. Like I did a lot of the casting during the uh, Premier League, uh, the Mystica Tuesday Premier League, and mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, he uh, struggles a lot against the best players. I find so um, I would say it's between deep finesse and Zickob based on that, and Zickob I think I just like overall to win that. Um, I and mean, yeah, he also win on time. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I know, I, right? Like, he, he'll play fast, he'll throw everyone off, and no one will know what they're doing. And next thing you know, he's just running away with the game. <laughs> Should I move to the division finals?
0: Uh, let me just real quick uh, take my picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're good.
1: yeah of course.
0: Uh, sure. So, uh, as for Fire Division, I'm 100% going with Hephaestus. Uh My man Hephaestus, uh I think he's in the extremely good shape currently uh, which is not always the case for everyone, right? But I saw him play uh, like in the recent weeks and I, I'm i just you know, I just see him winning all the time and I think uh, if it's not this tournament, it's going to be never for him and I also think he uh, he needs to prove that he's one of the best. He doesn't he, well, he played in the to open uh, quite a bit, but he's never won arena season. He didn't play in TMTL, uh, not in Premier League at least. Uh, I'm sure he ever played in TMTL league, ever. Uh, so he might not be as recognized as some of the other players. I'm not sure about Snaman. I have no idea about TMTL or whatever. Uh, so uh, I don't know, but yeah, I definitely would want to see him win both this uh, group and the whole tournament here. And As for Ice Division, I want Every single one of those guys to win for different reasons. Uh, I agree with you on the uh, half. I'll take that he might struggle with uh, stronger players, and yeah, I would also go with Deepness or Zidkab, mm-hmm. and yeah, Zidkab has ninety-two percent win rate against Deepness, and yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, well. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cup, I guess, again. I think it was uh, they played the last F2O in the semifinals, too, in the division finals, if I remember correctly. And I also went with Zitkup, uh against you, uh, Weber, and EJ. You both picked David Finesse. Gotcha. So, Fair enough. Yeah.
2: Fair enough.
0: Uh, okay, Weber, your take on uh, finals here. Including right, so, your pick from the second chance, obviously.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the Fire Division finals: Clavo, Rainier, uh, Bowser hugs, and then I'm arguing that uh, Shortwell will be the fourth seat there. Okay. So this is my take: <laughs> Clavo and Rainier in a game together again. It's going to be a spicy game. Uh, I, I think. I think I, last time I did an interview with uh, Fire Two on air, it was a similar prediction where. It was like Rainier and Claybo were going to be in a game together. The the thought at the time was that Claybo was going to uh, just sort of lunge at Rainier and tumble off a cliff together or something. I think Claybo is going to take a swing at Rainier this game. Claybo is known for taking spicy lines and doing somewhat like expensive and or aggressive e kind of stuff or passing without using his swarmlings ability. Like Claybo will do stuff that is questionable and then it works. Sometimes. But the other piece about Claybo is that sometimes it just doesn't work. And I think it worked in his Cultist game. I think Clabo is going to do something spicy in the Fire Division Finals. I think he's going to take a swing at Rainier. I think it's not going to work this time. He's due for it not working. And I think Rainier's going to win the Fire Division
0: Well, there are two people advancing, right? Because okay, so got... yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's going to be Rainier. He's going to play a, a uh, safe-ish, nice... Take an Econ favor in round one, score a bunch of points and slightly behind Rainier. So I think Rainier and J- advance. Right. That's my big prediction for Fire. Do we move on to Ice? Yep. All right. So for, for Ice, so we've got, I, again, I think uh, it's going to be uh, Deep Finesse, uh, obviously being the second chance uh, seat there with JDI, Simon B, and Ninja. Uh, I think uh, Simon B. is going to win that game. I think Deep Finesse is going to come in second there and also advance to the finals. I, sure. I just think like S- Simon B. is just, uh, I think, is uh, just one of those players that is incredibly consistent. And I, I think S- Simon B. is probably just, at least right now or over the last, maybe even six months or something, the best uh, player in the world. Uh, and I think he just plays with such ingenuity, but also consistency. He does interesting things, but he also kind of plays safe at the same time. Like, his game is just so damn good. He has such an incredible understanding of the game.
0: So we will not see a repeated champion, you're saying? Ninja will not advance? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, Deranged, your take on Fire Finals. Alright, I've got... So,
1: Barnwall was my pick from round one, right? So, I think that uh, Claybo and Rainier are going to clash in this game. And I think that uh, even if Claybo doesn't succeed in that, it will hurt Rainier um, if that happens. Um, I think Barnwall plays very strong fundamentally. So I actually like him to advance to the finals. And I mean, with Claybo, like the guy, just like things just work out for him. Like the weird <laughs> stuff that he does works out for him. And like you, it might cost him first place, but. It might just buy in the second if like Bowser and Rainier wind up like fighting each other. And Barnwell plays like very indisruptible games, right? Like his his games are like so hard to disrupt. Um so I think that he'll be like the winner of that. And I think that uh Klebo might like rise from the ashes and the chaos like uh, as the second place there. Um, for the other game, uh, we got I have Zitkop here with Ninja Simon and JDI and I agree with what uh with what weber is saying i think simon is like it's the consistency that i really like from him and i just see him like playing super well against other strong players as well right like he, yeah. he performs really well against other strong players so i really like that from him um yeah. i think jdi and Cobb are might be on like no i i mean they're they're both extremely good players capable of beating anyone on any given day but i think that ninja's track record um you know, again, like, the track record. Uh, he's won every F2O game that he's been in, right? Like, I like him to advance here as well, but with Simon.
0: Okay, cool. Um, all right, as for me, for five finals, uh, Claybo, your Bowser, and Hephaestus was my pick. Uh, I have no idea. I want, as I said, I want Hephaestus to advance in this tournament, and that's what I'm going to go with. Mm, the other pick would be uh, I think for I know'm I, I'm going with Klebo here. I think that uh, Rainer, as you've said, will go for some pure econ nice games, but uh, since it's uh, the only one player is gonna advance and that's at stake, uh, I think the others will uh, be more prompt to take some risks, especially Klebo and Hephaestus. Uh, and therefore, you know that might not be enough.. Uh, I'm not really sure they're going to go against each other, although I would love to see another rent from Rainier. Uh, but I think it's going to be like, it's going to end up like Rainier saying, OK, well, I, I went for it, but, you know, somebody took my hex that they wanted to take it, and that's it. And my game was, you know, just went downhill from that because, you know, only one player advances, and there is, you know, too, too much of a swing there. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Hephaestus and Claybo. Uh, as for... As for Ice finals, um, I also wanted to go with Simon B, but I'm afraid that he's gonna try against some weird stuff again. Uh, but this time it's not gonna work. I've got a feeling, and uh, I believe that I want. Well, I want. I chose Zitkop. Uh I think he's gonna advance in the second chance game, but he's type of a player that uh, <laughs> he proved numerous times that sometimes he for well. His endgame, he he sometimes throws the game, uh, throws the game with a single move, uh, and uh, because he's you know he's a fast player, he sometimes doesn't calculate stuff. He just goes with it, and I think he's just gonna make uh, uh, he's he's gonna do it again where he makes a, like a slow mistake and he's gonna regret it later, but it's gonna end end up being a uh, game costly, and I think it's gonna be JDI uh, is gonna slip through some somehow similarly mm. to his Darkling's yeah. game. Where, you know, he just sits in the back, he gets a good deal out of a faction, I, he gets leech, and he's just gonna win it safely. And the second back would be... Uh, well, okay, I'm gonna go with Ninja here. So we have very different finals tables. Can
2: we just mm-hmm. quickly review this and say, like... So so, so the finals table in my uh, iteration of the multiverse is Rainier, George Shortwell, Simon B, and D Finesse. What do you guys have at the finals table? The range? Um,
1: I've got Claybo, Barnwall, Ninja, and Simon.
2: Okay, so I we have, have one sim- player overlapping.
0: <laughs> with Simon. We have Simon overlapping.
2: Uh, super, what's your table?
0: I've got Claybo, Hephaestus, Ninja, and JDI. So I have zero overlap with you, and I think you guys yep. have one
2: overlapping or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I can start. Do you, you want a prediction for the grand finals?
0: Well sure you can well yeah. I Wear
2: mean that. again in my in my iteration of, of the of this multiverse, um perhaps I you know, a bit of my bias is coming through, but I I think this is uh, Rainier's year to pull it off. I think I think Rainier's going to uh, uh win uh with a uh m- small margin against Simon. They're both yeah, I think that's what's gonna happen.
1: Cool. Uh my friend I have Claybo, Barnwald, Ninja, and Simon. I think uh, I kind of like Simon here. I think Simon will pull it off. Um, I think that he's just consistently played so well against such strong opponents. Um, and you mm-hmm. know, he had like he had a game in round one where like he made some iffy choices and it worked out. Um, I think that he'll be a little steadier this time, um, be a little more secure, and I think it'll just work out for him this time.
0: Yeah, so um, I've got Claybo, Hephaestus, Ninja, and JDI. And even though I say I want Hephaestus to win this tournament, I think it's gonna be uh, Claybo's year this time. The uh, Lone Lakes is a map that suits his gameplay somewhat. Uh, it's you know kind of a predictable map. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, I think that's he feels he feels pretty comfortable here. Uh, I think he's gonna take it home.
1: Nice. Okay. All, um, right. all right. So uh, I just want to really quick, like, uh, for all the players who feel disrespected here right now, um, there are five players that none of us picked to advance from any game. None of us picked Logos, Tetbet, Raphael, Bowser, or actually, you did pick JDI, right? So. Hi there. Um, Zikob. Or no, Zikob, we did pick as well. Okay. So Logos, Tetbet, Raphael, and Bowser. None of us picked you to advance. So. You know, uh, if if by the time that you're listening to this, you guys have won the whole tournament, then uh, we all look really dumb. So that's, uh, that's yeah,
0: fair enough. Uh, if you feel offended, yeah, uh, we just offended you. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. okay. And obviously, these are wild predictions, at
2: least for me, based on very little. I think, but like obviously, Logos could just win this entire tournament. Like obviously, that's a, there's a decent possibility. Nah, you
0: know, uh, no way, he's winning. Uh, no, he's... Okay,
2: no. So... oh.
1: I won't right, survive anymore. You know, I,
2: I won't. I won't. No, no. That, I'm just that trying to give the happens. guy some respect. But you guys are just doubling down and saying that. Uh, like, just, yeah, yeah.
1: Of course, of course.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. I won't stand logus winning this tournament. I gotta say. Well, he's gonna keep reminding me of that every single bullet game and whatnot. Yeah. Well, at least I won fire to open, right? You didn't even qualify. Yeah. That's that's not happening here. There, there is no way it's happening. Um. Uh, all right, uh, the last, uh, well, it's been two hours already. Uh, I want to ask a real short question. My, Let's hope it's short here, um, okay. with us here, uh, about fractions. About factions. I think that uh, with Darklings having so much play, and we've got like Simon B, who's an alchemist uh, specialist. Uh, and I think we're going to see more alchemists uh, in mm-hmm. both second chance games and maybe mm-hmm. the finals. We've got five games, by the way. So yeah, this may change, and maybe also you know the other players are you know uh, reviewing and analyzing the games, so they might go with it. Uh, I think we're gonna see more alchemists. Uh, We're also gonna see a lot of nomads. We've got a couple of nomads players here and there. Yes, definitely. That's that's for sure. Uh, And yeah, well, apart from that, I'm not sure we're gonna see any more dwarves. Uh, I'm not sure about green factions either. Yeah. Uh, well since since I'm saying they're gonna be Alchemists, maybe I know they're a bit more expansive factions, so maybe green has some play uh, in it. Uh, and they can might they might go pretty well on this map, I don't know. And we're definitely gonna see more brown here.
2: Yep. I I I agree. Uh, I, I think I think uh, a takeaway from these games, and this goes a little to to what we discussed to some degree as well, is that the, 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 fa- the factions that work really well on this map that benefit from lakes are the factions that are already very strong. Uh, That's mm-hmm. not the case for instance on Fjords. So a player like Deep Finesse excels on a map like Fjords where things are kind of more balanced a bit and then Deep Finesse wants to throw in Orin in an ugly color wheel and get a, a, a sick price on them because everyone uh, I raise my hand here uh, will uh. overbid Darklings and Cultists and then he like whatever right like deep finesse is like sort of more obscure factions in uglier color wheels i think that's apt to be toned down even from players on lakes right like we've seen some witches into dwarves picks on lakes like you know dwarves dealing with a color neighbor and on lakes and no escapes and i think we're gonna see a bit of a tone down of that being toned down a bit i think the vault the variant between bad factions on lakes with color neighbors and good factions on lakes with no color neighbors is just too high, that even those players that like those sort of awkward uh, arrangements are less apt to sort of throw those in. So I, I think we'll see Alchemist, we'll see two of the... Uh, I don't think we're going to see someone tossing a sandwich
1: or, in or anything crazy like that. Durange, you want to... I
0: think that...
1: Uh... Sadly, for uh, enthusiasts like myself, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Swarmlings this season. I think that people are just going to continue to put in Mermaids and have these like pretty, pretty decent opening and kind of lackluster overall games. That's my prediction.
2: You're a Swarmlings enthusiast? I don't think I knew that about you.
1: You didn't? Oh. <laughs> yeah. He no, definitely no, is. Yeah, yeah I, I love Swarmlings. Um, I
2: I just I felt like swarmlings are are so 2021 and that we sort of moved on a little bit as a
1: community but you're not (laughs) I'm a good person so what can I say yeah but I fair fair enough we're not going to see enough swarmlings given how like they should be resilient to like this type of uh, crunch I think that yep their type of game is actually like I, I think there are games where swarmlings can be kind of boring but I actually think that on lakes swarmlings kind of make for like a friendlier type of game where like they're not going to compete so hard for others' hexes. They can handle color sandwiches and like you know, black or green won't be as bothered by swarmings being in the game. Um, they can make for like prettier games and games that like have a different type of dynamic where like maybe you fight not so much for hexes, but for pastiles and towns and cults. So um I would love to see them, but I think we're gonna see more mermaids and people just doing like sad attempts to dig advanced late.
0: Uh, quickly on Swarmlings, uh, I think it's mostly the case because, uh, well, uh, in the actual game, Swarmlings might struggle a lot. Mostly because uh, in current meta, we don't see East opening, so they don't have a neighbor in the East. And yeah. while in the West, uh, there's that blue hex that mermaids always start on. Uh, that can be a strand- stranded stronghold, but at the same time, where do you build your second town? And if you start yeah. yeah. further south around Engineers or something, you're forced to build. Uh, either double dig and you know hope to get uh, those blue hexes, or forced to take a bridge that might not uh, to form a town, the these hexes that you want a bridge to can easily be taken by uh, township Darklings, for example, or something like that. That's very. Good so here uh, uh, swarm like with if you... landscapes? Well, yeah, definitely, definitely, they have play on lakes, but here, uh, I don't think so. We might see them once, maybe. Uh, yeah.
1: So I think that like one thing that you hope for here, and like this is what I like to do on lakes is like you hope that red or yellow is in the game, and then you play C6, and then you try to like get your stronghold and save C6, oh, right, right. C6, and then like. But I mean, no guarantees, right?
0: Um. All right. Uh. I guess that's gonna be it. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanna say, sure, about first 2 open or anything for that matter? Ooh,
2: i don't know i feel like i've uh uh exhausted the degree to which i can talk about lakes and I'm sitting i don't know <laughs> I feel like yeah, we've had a good conversation we've talked about some some strategy stuff sorry what was that range
1: oh I'm, I'm just excited to watch more yeah it's been oh it's yeah, been yeah, great. yeah yeah it's been great
0: yeah we've got five more games coming this tournament so yeah uh and we probably talked both legs much longer than they deserve, actually, but that's a different matter. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, and yeah, I wrote it down, but I forgot to mention that both of our, uh, both of you are actually streamers on Twitch. So, for if there is anyone for some weird reason that hasn't followed you yet and isn't aware of that, uh, both Ranch and Webberash stream Turamastic pretty regularly on Twitch. So, mm-hmm. uh, everyone, you might want to check them out deranged uh, much
2: earlier than me i think i deranged takes the morning shift and then i i have the uh, i burn the midnight oil a little bit with some of um
0: yeah yeah we were talking uh american time eastern canadian stuff so uh, uh yeah. yes Yeah, sorry eastern yeah. indeed just for the record uh okay uh, i hope uh our Craig bot here recorded all of this yeah, because <laughs> otherwise not, I, we can I,
2: just come back and have another two hour discussion about lakes and all this, but, stuff. But
1: this time but this time we'll condense it to like 30 minutes we'll just know everything what we're saying <laughs> and go, so. yeah yeah yeah
0: or i'm just gonna you know uh, i'm just gonna record i, I still, still since i still remember it, you've what you've guys been saying i'm just gonna record myself and say whatever you've said right fair enough yeah. just misrepresent us
2: a bit that sounds good
0: true okay. um okay uh Thanks everyone for uh listening to us. Uh thank you Weber and Derange joining us here again. Thanks for having me on. So great. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I'll see you guys next time. Sounds good luck good. to all the players and congratulations to the future champion. Fair to open. Yeah. Right. All right. See you later everyone.
1: See ya.